Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. Well, good morning um, again for those. If you don't know me, and I'm in, my name is James, and I'm the pastor here um, for the next, um, I don't know, 45 minutes. So I'm kind of joking. So it's a very, very strange Sunday that this is our final Sunday. We came to Montreal six years ago, pretty much to the day. And, you know, there's, there's, this isn't even really part of the sermon, but, you know, we have seen God work in so many ways. We've seen God be faithful in so many ways. We have seen, I'm speaking of my own family and of this church, we have seen God shape us and form us and teach us and grow us in so many ways. And we are so thankful. I am so thankful to stand here today um, with you as a church family and this is nothing about, truly, it's nothing about me, but th- this was not here six years ago. Like this, there were a few people, right? Um, but God, and truly, like most of you are here and it has nothing to do with myself or any other pastor, I, I promise. Like people, like you're just here because God is building this church. God is building his church. And we're so thankful to really be able to stand back and say like, well, God, Cool. I couldn't have done that, but you can do that. And so it's a, it's a bittersweet Sunday. It's strange, but we are so thankful for God's faithfulness. Um, we had yesterday, we were so excited to get a really cool Montreal souvenir. Uh, we got one more parking ticket yesterday, and that was so much fun, uh, you know. And so it's just such a good, a good memory, you know. Um, if anybody wants it, I'll, I'll pass it on to you. But uh, uh, the, uh, the, the wonderful, kind... Parking, ten, parking attendant man did not want to have mercy. So, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. <laughs> but, all right, if you've got a Bible, go to Galatians chapter 1. And we're going to be in, starting in verse 11 here in just a moment. Um, Dylan kind of got us started in this last week. But here's my question. How do we know if something is authentic? All right, now Maya's going to put some images up here because there are fake versions of everything. So just, you can kind of start, Maya, with these images. All right, so I don't know if you've had a cat cot, but I'm sure it's not as good as a Kit Kat, right? So you can have fake Kit Kats. Okay, what do we have next? Um, A sniper's bar. Um, I I don't know. I don't know that I would eat that or not, but you can get a sniper's. Um, We have um, Rolex, Time Watch Company. So if you get a Rolex, then you're like, you're rolling, like you're good, right? Um, And then I think, is there one more? This is my favorite, if you've ever had Dave Beauty Cream Bar. Um, So it's... uh, I don't know if it works quite as well as Dove, but it's, I think it's, you know, it's, it's really for those, um, the stains that just, just don't come off. All right, so there's fake versions. A couple years ago, myself and a few others um, from Renaissance got to go to North Africa. We have some mission partners there, and we were serving with them, and we went to this little market, and I needed some sandals for, like, we were going out into a village, and I needed some for, like, showering or something. And so I found some sandals, and they looked like they said Puma, like the Puma logo, but they actually said Duma. And so I, I wish I 
still had them. I actually just, I actually put them out on the sidewalk in the trash and someone took them. So if you see someone wandering around Point St. Charles with yellow Duma sandals on, they used to be mine, right? Um, so, right, th- these, are, these are fakes that are pretty easy to spot, like, right? Some things are trickier, like you know, some things that like really have to be authenticated to know if they're real or not. Um, and so when we come to the book of Galatians, when it comes to the gospel, we must know how to spot the difference between the true gospel and something that has been made up by people. Like I said, last week Dylan walked us through what the true gospel is, and our, our passage today is kind of a continuation of that. Because if we can't see the difference between what we mean by the gospel and something that's man-made, made up, some religious system, if we can't see that, then we are susceptible to believing the wrong things, but also to passing on the wrong things to others. So as we read our scripture and go through the sermon this morning, here's the main point. Here's what we're going to see. Transformed lives are evidence of a life-changing gospel. Transformed lives are evidence of a life-changing gospel. This is week two in our series here in Galatians um, called Called to Freedom. Um, The main idea, we're going to be in this for multiple weeks, is that faith in Jesus frees us from a legalistic, works-based, human-centered religion. This, This letter of Galatians written by the Apostle Paul, it shows us so clearly we don't earn our salvation and we don't maintain our salvation. It's a free gift of grace based on what Jesus has done. Like I said, it was written by the Apostle Paul to multiple churches in a place called, an area called Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. It was written sometime between AD 48 and 55. Why is that important? It means that it's one of the earliest New Testament letters. And what it means is it's roughly written 12 or 13 years or so after Jesus' resurrection. The church is very young at this time, and it's already encountering issues that would derail the truth of the gospel. So my point in this is that guarding the gospel and having clarity on what it is and what it means has always been vital from the very inception of the church. So the church in Galatia was divided over issues of do we keep the Jewish law or not? A lot of the leaders were requiring non-Jewish people, non-Jewish Christians, to live by Jewish laws. And in doing so, they were missing the point of the gospel message. All right, we're going to read starting in verse 11, but we're going to see, we're going to see that in this second half of chapter 1, Paul continues giving the Galatian churches proof and evidence that the gospel he had preached to them was not something that he made up or that had been made up by someone else, but rather it had come from God. And Paul uses his own story to show how the, how the gospel that he preached came from God. Let's read in Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 11. Paul writes, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. If you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it, and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. 
Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returning again to Damascus. Verse 18. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James and the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Let's pray again and we'll dive in. God, we're thankful for your word. And God, we ask this morning that you would speak to our hearts. God, that we as a church would be able to see when the gospel is, is, has been skewed or when the gospel has been changed. But we would see the gospel with clarity and understand what it means in our hearts and lives and understand the freedom that it brings. Spirit of God, speak to our hearts this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so transformed lives are evidence of a life-changing gospel. We're going to walk through this passage together this morning um, and then uh, have some some practical things to take away from it. So starting in verse 11, um, Paul begins and he said, I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me. So it's important. I want to note that. He calls them brothers. This is important. Even with these, like, problems in the church and these theological issues in these churches that they're having, Paul addresses them as brothers. Why? Because they had put their faith in Christ. They were following him. There was just some confusion happening. It's important to see how Paul welcomes them in, doesn't say, hey, losers. He calls them brothers, right? He wanted to bring them back, and he treated them as family, Here in verse 11, Paul says that the gospel that was, he said, the the gospel preached by me is not man's gospel, or meaning it's not according to man. It wasn't made up by people. It's not a human idea. What What does he mean by this, right? What does he mean by man's gospel? I think there's kind of two good ways to maybe describe what man's gospel would be. I think man's gospel or a human man made gospel, it focuses on us and it focuses on what we must do or not do. Right? Typically, you can kind of look across the spectrum of religious beliefs or belief systems, and it mostly focuses on me, what do I need to do or not do. One, one commentary I read, and this is another good description of man's gospel, it says, people seem to always prefer what flatters them or affirms human goodness. Basically, a man-made gospel is, okay, if it makes me feel good about myself, then yeah, okay, I like it, right? But Paul says, hey, this is fake. This is not what came from God. Paul's not preaching man's gospel. Here in Galatia, the problem was people in the church thinking, okay, yeah, we're saved by the grace of Jesus, but now we have to do stuff, right? We got to keep this up. We have to keep the law in order to keep our salvation. That was their specific issue here. It was focused on them and what they had to do rather than focused on Jesus and what he had done. You see that in verse 11. Verse 12, Paul continues, he says, I didn't receive this gospel from any man, but through Jesus himself who revealed it to me. Paul revealed it to him. Paul received the message of the gospel from God. We're going to look at Acts chapter 9 here in a moment where that actually happened. And Paul's not just using metaphor here. He's saying, no, I, I received this message directly from God, directly from Jesus. In verse 13, Paul begins to tell us who he was. He's talking about his former life. He was part of the Jewish faith. He was part of persecuting Christians. 
He hated them. And he was actively working to see them arrested and killed. All right, so let's look at Acts chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. This won't be on the screen. You can just listen. It's the story of Paul who before his, his name was changed later, before he was Saul. And it says this. It says, Saul, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, meaning to Christianity, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. If you read in Acts chapter 9, the story continues, telling us what happened with Paul. He had a literal encounter with Jesus. And so when he says, I didn't receive this from someone, he means that. He's like, I wasn't out looking to see, like, oh, what do I want to believe? He was actively opposed to Christianity. In verses 13 and 14, it's showing us who Paul was. His former life is what he says. And he's trying to communicate to the Galatians that he is a very unlikely candidate for this whole Jesus thing. Paul says, it wasn't my idea. It illustrates for us something it illustrates that no one is too far from God. No one is too far gone. And I want you to, to listen, hear that this morning. Because maybe, you, maybe you're thinking that about yourself, or you've thought that about yourself. Oh, God could never use me. God could never love me. I've done too much. I, I, I could never be good enough to be what God wants me to be. Maybe that's been, you've had those thoughts before. Or maybe you think that about somebody else, about your neighbor. Like, that guy? He's not Christianity material, right? Or maybe you think like, okay, well, that type of person or that group of people, no, they're, that they, they're not going to come to know Jesus. A few years ago um, in, in the Middle East, you know, obviously many, you probably were aware in the news of, of the group ISIS, and uh, I just remember something that they they were killing Christians. There was this persecution happening and actively happening, and I remember somebody sharing probably online or something of, you know, that's basically the realm that the Apostle Paul was in before he came to Christ. He was seeking to destroy Christians. And so imagine, you know, we see news stories where like, oh, these people, they're killing, these, these are, this is an awful group of people. But imagine, these are the type of people that Christ wants to rescue and bring into his kingdom and transform their lives. What Paul is telling us is that God saves the undeserving. And if anyone thinks that they are deserving, they're missing the point. The moment that we think, wow, God must be really happy with me today, we're missing the point. We are undeserving. We are broken because of our sin and our rebellion against God. And Paul is highlighting this and saying, listen, this is who I was. I was unlikely to be doing this, to follow Jesus, to be an apostle, to do what God has called him to do. The good news of the gospel is that God rescues sinners. He redeems broken lives. And it is so often the most unlikely people that God rescues and saves. And if we understand the gospel correctly, that means it's every single one of us sitting in this room. We are all unlikely because we all had it in our minds to do what we wanted to do when we wanted to do it. And it was Christ that came 
and shed his light in our hearts and showed us there's another way. There's a way of hope. There's a way of salvation. There's a way where we don't have to earn our own way. There's a way of forgiveness. Verses 15 and 16, we come to these verses and we get to one of the most beautiful transitions in all of Scripture. And you'll see this in lots of places in Scripture. We hear Paul saying, hey, this is who I was. And then we come to this wonderful three-letter word, not four-letter, right? We come to this three-letter word, buts. He's saying, this is who I was. This was my former life. But in verse 15, it says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. What is Paul doing? He's saying, this is who I was, but Christ has rescued me. There's a transition here, a change, a transformation that Paul said, I had nothing to do with it. It's what Christ did in me. And Paul shows us how God rescued him and saved him and set him apart and called him for a purpose. Paul's language changes from I in verses 12, 14. You can look at it. He says, I was doing this, I was doing this, I was doing this. But in verses 15 and 16, it changes to God. I was doing this, but God did this. And that's the transformation. Paul is showing us that salvation comes from God. Okay, there's a few things to note about that, what God does here. What's he say? Paul says, he set me apart before I was born. This is God's work of salvation because it flies in the face of saying, I earned it. No, before you were born, God set us apart to know him. And God is at work drawing people to himself and when we have heard the gospel, we are invited to respond. And anyone who has heard the gospel can come freely to him. This is a work of salvation. He says, God, he says he called me by his grace. It's not works. It's not effort. It is grace. It is the free gift. Finally, Paul says he reveals his son. He said he revealed Jesus in me. He revealed his son in us. What does that mean? That through the work of the cross... Jesus is revealed in us. Through what Jesus did, it is put onto us. Meaning, the righteousness of Jesus, when we put our faith in him, is placed upon us. And God looks at us and sees the righteousness of Jesus. That's him revealing his son in us. And finally, it says, Paul says, in order that. He says he did all this in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And we need to see that salvation has a purpose. For Paul and for us, we are saved for a purpose. For Paul, Christ saved him and rescued him and sent him to the Gentiles, to all these places around the world that weren't Jewish, where people were not worshiping God. Paul was sent to carry the message of the gospel. And for you and I, Christ has rescued you. For those in this room who've put their faith in Jesus, it is not just for you. He has rescued you for the purpose of to go and tell and to live out your faith and to proclaim the glory of God with your neighbors and to the ends of the earth. God rescues and saves us for a purpose that when the gospel comes to you and I, it's on its way to someone else. And what we're seeing here is Paul's testimony. Paul says, this is who I was, and here is how God in his grace saved me. Paul is communicating to the Galatians that he is a living example of the true gospel, not man's gospel. That gets to our main point, right? Transformed lives are evidence of a life-changing gospel. What Paul's trying to say is, listen, if you want to see 
evidence that I didn't make this up, just look at my own life, my own experience, because I didn't make this up. Jesus did this, right? Verses 17 through 24, we're going to go over this briefly, but this segment is really reinforcing Paul's main point, that this is not a man-made gospel. And it may seem like, okay, we have this strange timeline of his travels and where he went and when he went, but this is illustrating, what it's illustrating is that when Paul became a Christian, he was mostly unknown and isolated for years. He didn't immediately go to Jerusalem and get in on the big show, right? That's where was the center of the church at the time. He didn't go and mimic what the other leaders in the churches were saying. He didn't go to a conference on whatever, right? He was basically unknown. He wasn't with them. And this shows that he didn't just get this message from these leaders in Jerusalem. That's what he's trying to tell the church in Galatia. He's like, listen, I didn't just go and copycat. Like, Christ was revealing this. It came from God. God was revealing himself to Paul and, at the same time, revealing the same message to Peter and James and the other leaders in the church in Jerusalem. Right? The concept here is Paul's, Paul wasn't like, one, he wasn't like some celebrity that became a Christian. Right? We, we all know, like sometimes think like, oh, if, the, if that person, if they were to become a Christian, imagine what they could do. Imagine the influence they could have. No, that's not what's happening here. Paul's showing us that his transformation was something that God did in God's way and in God's time. We come to the end in verses 23 and 24. It reiterates again that Paul was mostly unknown but it says that many began to hear about him. And they're like, yeah, you heard of that guy? He used to persecute Christians, but now he's making disciples and sharing the gospel and building the church. And they glorified God because of him. As people began to hear that this guy, his life had been transformed and that he is pointing people to Jesus, they're like, wow, this is amazing. Look what God does. It was evidence of the work of the gospel. So Paul is using his own life-changing encounter with the gospel to reinforce the fact that the gospel he is preaching to the Galatians came from God, not another man-made source. Let's make this practical this morning as we look at how, again, our main idea, transformed lives are evidence of a life-changing gospel. First thing we want to look at this morning for us to do, for us to take away from this, is this. Remember God's transforming work in your life. Sometimes one of the most important things we can do in our faith is to remember, to reflect. I don't know about you, but I often do something and then the next day I'm on, like I, I don't take time to sit and think, oh, what did God teach me? What did, I mean, sometimes I try to do that, but I'm not very good at it, right? So sometimes it is so important to simply remember and reflect. Paul talks about his former life and how God transformed his life. Well, think about your life. Reflect and remember, what was my former life? What was my life like before I put my faith in Jesus? And then think about, how did Jesus save me? Remember it all over again. How has he changed and transformed you? It is so good to remember, and often it helps us to feel and experience the weight and the beauty of the gospel all over again in our hearts. So reflect, remember. Do this on your own, but sit down and do it with somebody else. Sit down with somebody else in the church and say, can I just kind of like verbalize and remember what God has done in my life? It's such a healthy thing to be able to share that with someone else and to let others in the church hear, wow, this is what God has done. And God is glorified through that. So remember God's transforming work in your life. Secondly, 
This isn't so much something to do, but something not to do. Rest. I mean, I mean like, yeah. Here's what it is. Rest in the life-changing gospel. Right? It's not necessarily something to do, but something to say, okay, rest. Be. Because here's what Paul is saying. This is not man's gospel. Gospel means good news. Rest in that this morning. It is good news. And I don't know who needs to hear that this morning. But you can rest. You don't have to earn your way to God. You don't have to prove yourself to God. You don't have to perform to keep him happy. God doesn't love you more when things are going well than when they are not. God is not more proud of you when you read your Bible and go to church and avoid doing bad stuff. This is good news. That God loves you fully. And he is today and forever pleased with those who have put their faith in Jesus. And for those who have not, God is welcoming you to himself, not based on how good you are, but on how good Jesus is. This is the truth and the message of the gospel that we talk about every single week. And we can gloss over it and we can move past it, but when it comes to rest and to find a home in our hearts, it changes how we live. This fact and this reality that God in his holiness created everything and yet we, as humanity, we said, okay, God, thank you. We'll take it from here. We'll do our own thing. We want to be God. We want to be in charge. And humans, humanity, since the dawn of time has rebelled against God and said, we'll do it our own way. We want to be in charge. It's rebellion, it's sin, and it separates us from God. That's our condition. Every single person is born separated from God with sin in our hearts, and there is no human solution to it. But God didn't leave us like that. God and his love and his grace had a plan of redemption, and he sent his own son, Jesus. Jesus, being fully God, and fully human, lived a sinless and perfect life and gave his life on the cross. He died on the cross. You and I deserve to die, but he died in our place. As we sang, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. He poured out his blood and gave his life as a sacrifice for us. And God in his grace and his love says, come to me. You are welcome. Draw near to me. And we have no way to do that on our own, but he provided his son, Jesus, that we come to God not out of our own goodness, but because of Jesus and what he has done. So for anyone who says, yeah, I'm, I'm a sinful, broken person. I cannot fix myself. I put my faith in Jesus and his righteousness, his goodness. I put my faith in him that there's no other way to get to God. He is the only way that I can know and follow God. I put my faith in him and I trust him and I turn away from my old life and I say, okay, Jesus, everything I have is yours. My life belongs to you. I surrender. That's our responsibility to say, okay, I surrender. I give it all up to follow Jesus. And in that moment, our hearts are transformed. We are taken out of our old life and into our new life. We are spiritually dead and come, and we are brought to spiritual life because of the work of Jesus. This is the message of the gospel. It's not do more, be more, do better. Of course, we are to live lives that are 
honoring to God and we are to pursue him and seek him, but none of those things earn our way to God. Those are results of what God has done in our hearts. So, rest. This is not a fake, man-made gospel. It's based on effort and performance, but it's the real thing. Based on the upside-down kingdom of God, where God rescues the broken and undeserving. He doesn't award those who think they're the best. He rescues the broken and undeserving. Third point, radiate the evidence of the gospel to the world. One of the main things that Paul is getting at here is how his own life is evidence that this gospel is not man-made. Paul was an unlikely candidate to follow Jesus. If this was a man-made system, there is no reason he ever would have followed it. But it's a work that God did. And the change in Paul's life came from God, not himself, not any other person. And Paul is saying, listen, my own life is a living example of this. And it's the same for us. When we rest in the gospel, our lives become evidence of the gospel. The outflow of God's grace in us is a powerful message to our friends and neighbors. And it radiates the message of the gospel. The work of God in us reveals that this gospel is from God and not from us. It's not based on our performance. We're on the shifting sands of our lives. So don't be afraid to live out your faith in front of a watching world. I don't mean fighting some type of culture war, but I mean living out real, authentic, sometimes messy faith. Forgiving others when you are wrong. Asking forgiveness when you wrong others. Living generously. Living with hospitality. Clinging to Jesus when life is hard. Living like this is a powerful message to the people around us. The flip side of that is if we live in our faith in a way that says, well, look at me, I'm, I'm better than those people, I'm pretty good, look at me, you know, my life is pretty good, I'm keeping it all together, that is not, a, that is not showing a message of the gospel. It is showing people a message of someone who thinks they're better than everybody else. But when we live with that brokenness and that humility and that understanding that, I don't know why God saves us, but he does. It's not my own effort. It's what Christ did. It radiates the message of the gospel. And our day in and day out lives become an example of the gospel to others. Paul's story is my story. It's your story. This was my former life. But God rescued me and saved me. And if that's not your story this morning, if you're realizing right now, I've never put my faith in Jesus the door is open and you are welcomed in. It can be your story. And as a church, as a body of believers, this is our story. We were broken and lost and Christ has set us free. And may it continue, a people called out by God to be a light to the world, centered on the gospel. And my prayer is that this church can continue to be a place and I know that it will, a place where Jesus is preached. 
where the lost and broken can find hope, and where a bunch of messed up people can look at each other and say, how did we get here? And it's only Jesus. One of my favorite quotes that if you've been around Renaissance for a while, I have messed it up over and over. So today I typed it down, um, and you'll see why I've messed it up. Um, it's, it's this three-part statement that I kind of heard from a church in, somewhere else, and I loved it. And it's this, I'm a complete idiot. And usually that's when I forget the rest of the quote, so I typed it down. But it says this, I'm a complete idiot, but my future is incredibly bright, and anyone can get in on this. That's the truth in the message of gospel, the gospel said in a different way. I don't have it all together. I'm undeserving, but I have a hope to come that doesn't make sense, that Christ has rescued me, and the door is open, and anyone is welcomed in. Transformed lives are evidence of a life-changing gospel. This morning, if you would like to pray with someone, we would love to talk with you after the service. If you need to put your faith in Jesus, if God is working in you and you need to say, I've been around this for a while, I've heard all this, I, I know this, I think I know this, or I don't know, whatever it is, but you say, I don't know, I need to surrender, I need to put my faith in Jesus, that we would love to talk with you. If you have questions or spiritual questions, we would love to talk with you if you'd like to pray with someone. Um, in a few minutes, we're going to sing a song that you probably don't know. Um, it's called Ten Generations. Um, and here in a moment, Abby's going to come and share why we wanted to sing this song this morning. Um, but while she's, she's coming up, I want to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And this is verses 23 and 24. And this is um, my prayer for you, for our church family, that you have meant so much to us. You are so dear to us. And, and the end of First Thessalonians, Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. And he said, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. And he will surely do it. Church, God is faithful. This is his church. He is at work. And it's not based on our performance. It's not based on how good we are. Let's continue to be a bunch of idiots that said, Jesus has rescued us. <laughs> no offense to anyone. <laughs> but when we understand the gospel, we understand we don't have it all together. Who are we? But Christ is everything. And... Dylan will, Dylan will say this at the end of the ser service, but we've said it every week for years. It truly is our prayer in my own life and in this church that every single week as we go out into the world, that we would love Jesus, that we would find our joy and our treasure in him. That we would love each other within this church, caring for each other, encouraging each other, carrying each other. And finally, that we would love our world, that this church, that the love of Christ would radiate through Renaissance to this community, to Little Burgundy, to this city, and to who knows where, to what God is doing, 
that we could be a church that says, hey, it's not just about us. We want to love our world. That's our prayer. And it seems simple. Love Jesus, love each other, love our world, but it's a pretty good place to stay. Say, let's do that. (laughs) Let's be a church that does that. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl@gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.